All right, let me uh, let me wrap up the pod. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, don't include that in case we both yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I just gonna say? Um, Hello, everyone, and welcome to Showdown 2023, the same musical theater bracket podcast you love, just with a new name. This year, it's all about Tony performances. My name is Alex Schneidman. again everybody welcome to showdown we're finally into round two it's been a couple weeks but here we are on the left side of the bracket uh we have 16 well we have close to 16 excellent songs to get through uh today excellent performances and we have two incredible judges to vault us from 16 to eight songs on this left side of the bracket Starting with Carrie, please introduce yourself and say hello to the uh, the crowd. Uh, hey, showdown audiences. Super excited to be here. Novice judge. Uh, uh, my name is Carrie. I am a musical theater writer and performer. I'm out in New York, uh, and I'm excited to be here. <laughs> You're not just a writer. Like, you, you, you are, like, a, a qualified, accredited, like... <laughs> degreed writer so okay so, uh, you know it, yeah i uh we were joking before that um i do have a master's degree in musical theater writing uh because i wanted to be incredibly employable um during the pandemic uh when i graduated mm-hmm. into an industry where there was no theater mm-hmm. and andrew please introduce yourself welcome back uh thank you thrilled to be back i'm a returnee guest um, I, my name is Andrew. I'm currently based in Washington, DC, uh, soon to be based in Ithaca, New York, where I'll be getting my PhD at Cornell university. Um, my higher education degrees have nothing to do with the theater, but I am a theater undergrad and, uh, once a theater kid, always a theater kid. So I, I maintain my level of credibility to talk about Tony award performances that I have continued to watch uh at night on youtube long past my retirement from broadway <laughs> andrew is also a tony nominated tony producer. Nominee. let us I, not I guess forget. that's some credibility too right <laughs> yeah absolutely um anyway let's get down to it all right let's do La- it last week i forgot to say the two matchups the the few the the couple matchups last week that had been decided before our judges entered this uh, incredible arena. Um, but this week, I will remember to do that. Uh, the two matchups we're not going to talk about today are between Dream Girls and Book of Mormon, uh, in which Dream Girls. We, we wouldn't Book have had to talk about that for a very Thank long God. time. Okay, That's... <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and uh, opening 2013 versus Chicago. Oh, really? Um, really? That's fair. So. Uh, those two will move on and, uh, we're going to have to figure out who they're going to go up against right now. Yeah. Uh, so our first matchup is our closest matchup. It's a matchup that I put on Instagram and was not cleared up at all by the Instagram audience. It's still very close. It's between Pippin 2013, uh, and In the Heights 2008, uh, the floor is yours. Who'd like to who'd like to hit us first? 
Um, I could go for because uh, I saw that you posted this, and then I saw that it was fifty fifty, uh, or basically fifty fifty, which is kind of funny because, like, for me, it's like this is such a close matchup, but not between two like particularly stellar Tony performances. Like, this is these are both kind of B plus Tony performances, if you ask me. Um, they're you know they're great, but I you know it's not like we're talking about Dream Girls versus uh bigger, you know. Uh, which maybe you'll talk about later in the bracket, but um, I voted for Pippin uh, on the Instagram poll. Um, but honestly, I could kind of go either way. I think these are both like these are both pretty solid. Um, I think the Pippin performance gives you uh, is a little. I mean, I, part I, it might just be part of like the circus thing and the magic to do of it all that it it. I, I remember watching that performance and being excited to buy a ticket to the show. Um, but I think the in the heights number is like a fair representation of what that show is. Um, and I and uh, I remember watching it and thinking Karen Olivo is a superstar. Um, but I don't have a strong opinion either way. Karen, do you have a, uh, a strong opinion either way? Yeah, well, now I'm worried it's still going to be split in the end because Eileen Heights in this mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did see Pippin twice, and I did love it, and it was very entertaining and fun. But I don't think that that was a particularly good rendition of Corner of the Sky. I don't know. The, the circus in the actual show is fantastic um, and very well-coordinated, but it looked just a little bit uh, overcrowded to me, especially at the end. And like uh, Andrea Martin's like standing up front, like, where am I standing? Um, and I don't know. It just, it it didn't strike me as a particularly good representation of the quality that that show actually was. The Bettina Miller moment, exquisite, but we all knew that was coming. Um, in the Heights, I just, I'm trying to set all of these within the context of like when it came out. And I think Alex, you were saying something like this on the last episode that like, it, we're also talking about, the people watching this and uh, them seeing it for the first time um, and wanting to buy tickets to these things. Uh, And so for me, the context I think is going to be more important than which show I actually like better in this case, although that's probably still heights. Um, But I I think I just, it's not even for any one thing particularly other than in the heights to me was the first show of its kind to perform like they did on the Tony's um, I thought the entrance with Lynn standing at the presenters thing and then going into it was fun. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think I'm going to go heights, but it is tight. It's, it's a close one. Um, and, uh, as is the nature of this, uh, enterprise, I'm going to force you to vote. Kara Caffrey. Uh, I'm going to go three for heights, two for Pippin. And Andrew, rest of your Just for the drama. And only for the drama. Fair. I'm going to put three on Pippin and two on Heights. <laughs> this 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 whole enterprise is nothing if not intentionally dramatic and hyperbolically ridiculous. So uh, we appreciate the drama here at Showdown. Um, We're theater kids. Oh, yeah, baby. Um, okay. Interesting. Uh, like I said, this matchup was very close. Uh, but... It did not tie in the public vote. One of these songs did beat the other one by like the tiniest of margins. Uh, And that song, that performance, excuse me, was uh, In the Heights 
it won uh, 52% to 48% uh, by a matter of just a handful of votes. And uh, since you guys split 50-50, it just goes down to the, to the public vote and therefore In the Heights advances uh, to the next round where it will actually go up against one of the songs in our next matchup. Um, I just want to point out that I actually think that Neil Patrick Harris does a better job performing Pippin in the in opening bigger than <laughs> Pippin does in this performance, but we'll see if that makes it into the episode. You're not wrong. Um, our next matchup is the next closest matchup. It is also next to normal versus Cabaret. Uh, that is, of course, the revival, 1998, with Alan Cumming. Uh, what say you guys? For me, again, if we're talking like straight performance, I don't know what was going on with the microphones, but Alice Ripley is like a half measure off like the entire time. And again, don't get me wrong, although I'm not really an Alice Ripley stan, we... <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but the performance usually is excellent. I did see her in the original cast and like it is an incredible show. I love it. But for straight performance, Alan Cummings MC is iconic. Uh, and I am mad that it was one of those where they cut away to the theater rather than having them do it live. But just everything about it, having all of the Kit Kat Club dancers be like so bored and it just it, it's so excellent all around. So I got to go cabaret. Um. This is a slam dunk for next to normal for me. I have to be honest. She's half a measure behind, 100%. I think it's so hilarious. I think that's part of the appeal. This performance was my first exposure to next to normal, actually. I remember like watching the Tony telecast and being like, what is this show? Like, this is so cool. I And I did not understand, obviously, what was going on with the dead son and him not actually be, being there, but not actually being there. And, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, Tony audiences who don't know the show probably don't understand that, but I think, um, I think Alice Ripley still manages to sell it. And both of those guys still managed to sell it. And she goes on to win later that night and give one of the more unhinged Tony acceptance speeches in history. And um, I think, I think the cabaret performance, I, I agree that it's probably uh, on a technical level, like a better performance. It's a, it's a very well executed rendition of the song. Um, But it didn't, you know, it doesn't make you feel something the way that this Alice Ripley performance uh, make, makes me feel something. Um, So I'm team next to normal on this matchup. Yeah. There's definitely an element to the, to the fact that this is a live performance Mm -hmm. um, happening here. Um, all right, we're cooking with gas. Let's go to votes. Uh, Carrie. I'm going to go four on Cabaret, one on Next to Normal. Andrew. I'm doing the opposite again. Wow. <laughs> so four on Should Next to known. Normal, one on Cabaret. Four on Next to Normal, one on Cabaret. Wow. Um, I was going to do that before Carrie said her votes anyway, so that wasn't just sure. for drama. That wasn't just for drama. But No, but, but actually it is kind of fun because uh, – so far, all of the judges have mostly agreed with each other. Um, so to see votes split is is great. We love a spirited debate. Yes. Um, so uh, Next to Normal won the public vote here. 
Um, it, it got about 60% of the public vote uh, and advances to the next round since you guys just split. Again, goes to the public. Um, it only needed four of your 10 votes. You gave it five. Uh, and it will go up against In the Heights next week. Now we have three consecutive matchups that all have very similar um, vote breakdown. So they're all basically the same in closeness. Um, so we're going to start, go to a different part of the bracket. We're going to start with um, Matilda 2013 versus Company 2007. Um, this is tough. I, I love Raul Esparza. I think he does a really good job at this performance. I'm generally anti Tony performances where it's just like a man on stage singing by himself. Um, as magnetic of a performer as Raul Esparza is, I think, uh, I mean, largely Tony performances are about selling tickets, right? Um, I think this Matilda performance is like so special. Um, she voice cracks on like the second note and it's so sad, but so precious at the same time. And she keeps barreling through. They include all the cast, even like they, they have Bertie Carvel do a little monologue and then they have the Wormwoods like a scooter on stage, which I always felt bad for them that they like made them get into hair and makeup and costume (laughs) (laughs) to like not actually do anything. And he won a Tony award that night. So he had to like, you know, get in and out of that ridiculous hair and that green suit. Um, I love this performance. Obviously, Matilda has been like sort of back in the cultural moment recently. So I was revisiting it a lot and I'm trying to like take recency bias out of it because I like Matilda had such a moment for us recently. But um, I do think this perform. I think it's especially as far like medleys from shows where they stretch a couple different songs together can be very hit or miss at the Tony Awards. And I think they do a really good job here and it tugs at your heartstrings and, you know, makes you feel something. It's like sweeping and beautiful. And uh, this uh, they bring all four of the girls out at the end. And um, as as incredible as Raul Esparza is and as much as I think he should have won a Tony uh that uh that year um i i i think i have to give this one to matilda i i think i'm actually going to agree with you here uh actually um <laughs> shockingly uh i do i mean i love matilda i love the movie um and i love i mean more recent but yeah i mean i've always loved the show i think uh the this I honestly, I love Raul Esparza generally, um, especially in his star turn at Sondheim's 90th birthday concert. Um, uh, I don't love this rendition of Being Alive, actually. I think it is incredibly well sung, but for me, it's a little bit like South Pacific, this nearly was mine in a way that it like didn't need to be. Uh, and 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 it, it's it's so hard, especially when you've got these cameras trained like Tom Hooper style, super close on your face because it's not, they're not used to acting for film, but it seemed too big for me. Um, I mean, it's, it, it is incredible that he's playing the piano at the beginning. I love what the production did, but again, I'm not, I'm trying not to judge the production and the show as much as the performance. And for me, I mean, I still would have seen the show, but it wasn't, I didn't see like perfect Bobby there. Um, and 
with Matilda, yeah, despite the voice cracks, I think it was really fun. Um, I think they did a great job of showcasing all the characters um, and giving little moments where they could. And the kids, the energy there is just so fun. Bruce kills it. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's um, it's it's a performance I still remember watching live. So I think I got to go with them on this. All right. So uh, we're going to vote. Uh, Carrie. Ugh, I don't want to. Ugh, I'm kind of stuck between three two. I think I'm gonna go four and Matilda one on company. I don't again, Raul Esparza, you're an amazing singer. Don't hate me. Uh I just yeah, it's Matilda I think that that this nearly was mine. No, I think that is really, really true of this <laughs> performance. Like that that is so right. That that's why you don't have men standing on stage alone singing for a Tony Award performance, because it just doesn't translate the same way. But I do yeah. think that's a very astute note from you Carrie and that that I def that definitely resonates. I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go 4-1. Excellent. Uh so Matilda won in the public vote. Uh it got about two thirds of the public vote. Uh you guys gave it almost all of your votes and therefore it jumps to the next round. Um next Oh, we're going to go to Spring Awakening 2016 versus Fun Home 2015. Um, oh, this one really hurts me. This one's mm-hmm. tough. This one's tough. Carrie can go first, though. Oh, thank you. Uh, I, yeah, this is this is rough. And honestly, I wasn't expecting it to be as hard as it was uh, before I watched it, rewatched it. Uh, I think, again, if we're talking about what the performance brought to the cultural zeitgeist spring awakening 2016 the deaf west production is so iconic and like presented uh deaf actors in a way that had just never been shown on such a big stage before uh and is just so and and also just in such a it wasn't about that it's still the entire soul of the piece you get all of uh bitch a living and it it is and it feels still so right and correct and uh i don't know it doesn't feel forced at all and so i was like super prepared to like vote that boots the house down but then watching (laughs) uh watching matilda not matilda sorry (laughs) too many child too many children uh fun home i mean i i love fun home and i it is I, I like it a lot more than Spring Awakening as a show, but um, I mean, she just murders Ring of Keys, right? Like, and talking about again the Tom Hooper close-ups, like she nails it, which she is shocking. This like eleven-year-old girl is like, oh my god, she makes it work. And I would have totally believed if it were like a movie live capture a fun home. So I, I'm, I could be swayed here. It's, it's really hard. I um I, I mean I'm in a similar boat, Carrie. I um when it comes to the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening, I'm like trying really hard to like separate like what the production and like what it did for deaf actors from like just like out of context, like this performance of these musical numbers. And I think like that's the things swaying me towards fun home a little bit. I like don't know that this like performance of bitch of living as like as transcendent as it is like 
I'm not revisiting that performance as much as I'm revisiting the original cast's Tony performance. Cause there's like something about watching Leah Michelle and John Gallagher and Jonathan Groff do that material that is like so visceral and so, so incredible. And I know you'll talk about that performance on the next episode. Um, but I obviously, um, adored this production and, um, commend it for everything it did for deaf actors. Um, and then I think, uh, what they did, what Sidney Lucas did with, um, ring of keys. They, I mean, they, they did the Tom Cooper close up, but also had her sort of running around, uh, the passerelle and, uh, it's, it didn't feel stationary. That's a word I haven't used since college, by the way. It's been at least five years since I've said that word out loud. They have her running around. It's still, it doesn't feel like Rola Sparza standing, you know, downstage center with a spotlight. It feels up mobile and it feels uh and you kind of see beth malone in the background like watching her um i think it's really powerful i also think that number i revisited it this morning and i read some of the youtube comments of like the queer women for whom that number had an impact on them that you know the show ran in a small theater for actually not that long a period of time so i think like this performance out of context like actually meant a lot to a lot of queer women who watched it and uh you know and and felt and felt moved by this you know incredibly moving song um so i'm giving the edge to fun home not by a landslide but um but by a by a hair yeah um we're gonna go to votes um but talk about professionalism in fun home beth malone like comes in with her dialogue just like two beats too late Mm -hmm. and sydney lucas is like is counting knows like Mm -hmm. is is totally there and has to start singing before beth malone finishes talking and nails it and it's just like part of what makes the whole performance so beautiful to me anyway we're gonna go to votes Kara caffrey uh i think andrew swayed me here i think i'm gonna go three on fun home and two on spring awakening andrew i'm gonna do the exact same excellent uh, so fun home beat spring awakening here. Um, and, uh, again, about two thirds to one third in the public vote. Um, you guys gave it more of your votes. It goes to the next round, uh, where it will go up against, uh, bigger, uh, opening 2013. Okay. Uh, next up we have, um, anything goes. Patty Lapone versus uh, opening 2011, not just for gays anymore. Um, <laughs> just saying all those words out loud is like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny to me. Um, but you guys say some words out loud. Let's 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 get it going. Um, I want to start by saying you can't talk about the opening of the 2011 Tony Awards without talking about Brooke Shields. Absolutely. <laughs> not knowing what to do. Um, um, and even, 
so I, I love Not Just For Gays Anymore. I think it's a, a lovely opening number. I think it pales in comparison to Bigger, but I think it's like a, a lovely second place when it comes to Neil Patrick Harris, Tony openings. Um, the, the, even the Stephen Colbert and Bobby Cannavale bits don't really work. Um, and like, you can tell they're both also like kind of struggling and then Brooke Shields like completely flounders, which is hilarious and like adds to the whole experience, but probably detracts from it from the purposes of this conversation. Um, I think my I, I'm leaning to I can be swayed either way here. I'm leaning towards Patty Lapone um in Anything Goes. I'm a little bit surprised that Sutton's Anything Goes was knocked out round one because I actually think that's a better performance mm-hmm. than this. Um largely because Sutton actually dances and Patty Lapone doesn't. But I do think that performance still holds up. The people every now and then people on Twitter will talk about her placement on studios the word <laughs> when she goes in studios and the the resonance she has on that one vowel is like earth shattering um it's just like quintessential patty lapone in a ridiculous costume walking around singing your little face off um the dancing twinks are incredible obviously it's like less powerful when she's not doing it as well but um in, in many ways, it's, like, more respectful to the original, where Ethel Merman was, like, leaning against the proscenium, smoking a cigarette the entire number. Um, so, um, I, I, I can be convinced either way, but the, 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 the honestly, the Brooke Shields offense is less of an offense than the Stephen Colbert and the Bobby Cannavale, which are... I think cringier to me because the Brooke Shields moment is so hilarious. And, but, and then when it works, it's not that effective. So it's like, that is more offensive to me than the Brooke Shields having a meltdown. Um, so I'm leaning towards Patty Lapone, but I leave, I leave room for Carrie to convince me otherwise. Mm. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, like really shocked that the Sutton Foster performance has already been knocked out. Uh, because her tap dancing is just unparalleled. And that's why when they brought her back for Music Man, they performed, I am not kidding you, the encore bows from the Music Man was the number they performed at the Tonys. They were like, we need Sun to tap dance. Let's do the bows. So <laughs> it still gets me. Um, but that's to say nothing of Patty's performance. I mean, her phrasing is just so iconic. It's And, and I was not... I hadn't watched this in a long time with Patty. Um, so I uh, I did lean into her for sure. But for me, I'm actually a very strong proponent of opening 2011. Let me tell you why. <laughs> um, I First of all, there would be no bigger if not for It's Not Just For Gays Anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of the first years I watched live. So for sure, there is some bias there. Um, but... Adam Schlesinger and David Jagerbaum, who wrote this, um, there's actually a New York Times article that came out in 2020 about it because it was that iconic. Uh, and I was reading it last night. I didn't expect there to be an article, but um, David Jagerbaum came in and talked to my grad school class because he went to my program and I was like, what was the story? And so I went and looked it up and it was on it was online. Um, before 2011, <laughs> uh, the Tony Awards was very much like trying to be the Oscars, right? Like very prim and proper. And they were like, there's no way they're going to let us do this song. 
and they wrote it kind of as a joke uh and neil was like yeah this is great but no one will let us do this they kept it a secret from everyone until the day before the show uh, and then in the dress rehearsal, all of a sudden they performed, they wrote a whole other number called Tonight at the Tonys that they pretended they were going to present that night. Uh, and then the day off at the dress rehearsal, they did It's Not Just for Gays Anymore. And CBS was like, uh, but luckily because Neil was on How I Met Your Mother at the time, he had like some brownie points, some sway. And he, he even said like, because I was playing Barney Stinson, this like alpha male type, like, it was slightly more okay, but this was like a huge risk. And CBS said, okay, you can do everything except the sodomite, sodomy line. Uh, and they were like, they were like, oh, really? And they were like, no, 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 no sodomy. And when they performed it live, Neil <laughs> put the sodomy line back in without, because <laughs> he was just like, no, I'm going to do it. So to me, the history behind it's not just for gays anymore. And the fact that it only exists in this one specific time capsule and what it brought forth which was the next two neil patrick harris tony award openings which are so iconic and the fact david yay woman out adam schlesinger just i mean they're they wrote crybaby and then adam schlesinger uh of course went on to write crazy ex-girlfriend and he wrote stacy's mom for those of you who don't know he's amazing um and unfortunately passed away during covid but for me just this this number is iconic the history behind it is iconic and the fact that as with most of the opening numbers i think they ran it like once uh and it still worked and still included every show that year uh is just incredible and yeah it deserves its flowers all right let's vote uh i can't shut out patty so i'm gonna go four on opening and one on anything goes andrew I'm like, I'm pretty torn, um, but I'm going to go three on Patty and two on gays. Excellent. Um, the opening 2011 won the public vote here. Um, I feel like, I feel like most people don't know that story and that, and that like now that that has been introduced to the showdown universe, it's going to be pretty hard to climb over that mountain uh especially especially if you are matilda but we'll, we'll see what <laughs> happens in the next round um yeah so you guys split four six uh opening had about two-thirds of the public vote uh and it goes to the next round where i as i mentioned it will go up against matilda so uh we have an interesting situation with our final matchup that hasn't been decided um, one of these two songs, one of these two performances between Turkey Lurkey Time and uh, Patty's Gypsy needs all 10 of your votes to uh, advance to the next round. Uh, Patty only needs one of them. So the way I've been doing this is just straight up asking if you, in good faith, would actually give all five of your votes to Turkey Lurkey Time um, you know, trying to take out the fact that, like, you know that it needs all of your votes to survive and uh, and and voting with, with sincerity and in good faith. So, Carrie, would you give all five of your votes to Promises, Promises, Turkey Lurkey Time? 
I, I have to caveat this with my dad would kill me if I did not give Jerry Orbach and she loves basketball. I was going to say, where's she loves basketball? Uh, <laughs> it's not just Chucky Lurky time. We we are Jerry Orbach stands in this house. Uh, and, and I did grow up hearing him sing that every day. Uh, however, I cannot in good faith uh, give all 10 votes. Andrew? First of all, I didn't realize it was going to be that big of a of a slam like I tur- the turkey lurkey time performance is pretty incredible it's unbelievable so like let's not like count out this turkey lurkey time performance obviously you have to include the jerry orbach thing which is you know we can take your leave <laughs> the but the turkey I, I i watch that turkey lurkey time performance all the time like that that this is a great tony performance that is not like it feels bad that we're it's going to get like shut out like this in like a total obliteration. But if anything was going to totally obliterate it, it would be Patty Lapone doing, gi- giving what I think many would argue is the definitive performance of this song. I would agree. Patty is, is a Titan and uh, this performance like really w- was a game changer. Um, so it deserves to continue. All right. Well, uh, we've, we've made it to the end of our journey, friends. That was, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we've got all of our matchups for the next round for the sweet 16 of uh, the left side of this bracket. They are going from the top. Uh, Dream Girls, 1982 versus Patty Lapone's Gypsy, 2008. Yikes. <laughs> I know. Yikes. I, t- I told you this next round is going to be crazy, both sides of the bracket. Next is uh, Matilda, 2013 versus Not Just for Gays Anymore. Then, what did, I can't believe that. I'm saying out loud. Um, then we have um, Opening, 2013, Bigger versus fun home 2015 um bracing myself mm-hmm. um then we have next to normal 2009 versus in the heights 2008 uh eight very good quality songs and performances on this side of the bracket mariah and i were talking about how uh this this bracket feels a lot wider open than past brackets we've done there's i mean there's a lot of really good songs here um so we'll see what happens. I can't believe either Dream Girls or Patty's Everything's Coming Up Roses is going to get knocked out at Sweet 16. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Well, um, you should talk to the person who seated the bracket. I have some words for the person who seated this bracket <laughs> because that's a final two matchup. Well, well, we'll see what you end up voting for. Uh, oh, the- I'm going to vote for Dream Girls, to be clear. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is the correct choice, yes. All right, friends, now is your chance to plug anything you want to plug. Um, everyone's up to something. So, uh, Carrie, what, what have you got for us? Ooh, um, well, my day job, actually, I work for a small uh, musical theater nonprofit called Meister Music, which uh, provides support community and, community and visibility for the female and non-binary music makers in the musical theater industry. And uh, it's run by Georgia Stitt. And we have a concert coming up on March 27th, uh, which is a Monday. So if you're in the New York City area, Kate Baldwin is hosting. Uh, There's going to be an incredible amount of talent doing all songs written 
uh, by femme and non-binary musical theater writers. Uh, so it's going to be super fun. Tickets are only $25. You can get them at maestromusic.org. Uh, and then a little bit of self-promotion, I guess. If you're uh, interested in hearing some of my writing, you can go to carriecalf.com or at carriecalf on all socials. Um, some of the videos have been racking up some views on TikTok. So if you want to check out stuff from my recent show there, you can look look, look on socials. Wow, those are like real plugs. Yeah, Carrie has <laughs> such good plugs. I don't have plugs. Well, you have personal plugs. You have- yeah, I just like post selfies on Instagram and... <laughs> Like, so if you want to like give me attention, then you can follow me like, on Instagram or Twitter uh, at Andrew Restieri, um, R-E-S-T-I-E-R-I. Um, if you want to follow my my uh, my PhD journey, what it's like being you know hot, gay, and smart, it's like uh, it's going to be really challenging. And um, I'm going to document the whole process on social media. I'm totally kidding. Um, I don't have. <laughs> I'd watch uh, it. Yeah, I know you would. Standing on the shoulders of hot gays. Of hot gay of hot gays of hot gay doctors. I yeah. know. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I'm I'm grateful to those who came before me um, <laughs> for charting this path uh, that I'm lucky to walk. And um, follow me on social media, um, and uh, I'll let y'all know if I'm if if I have a co- the next time I have a concert to promote. <laughs> which could be you know in like a few decades after you finish your phd all right wow thank you guys for doing this thank you for uh your plugs thank you for your thoughts um i'm so excited to see what happens on the right side of this bracket next week but uh for now let's uh let's let's rest on these eight songs we've got and uh can't wait to vote for them actually in two weeks because I have to do the other side of the bracket. Um, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, everybody who's listening, go vote. <laughs>